I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Cut off really quick. Welcome to the show. We're two best friends. We like chitting and chatting about all things mysterious and questionable and unsolved and unanswered. So if you like those things, stick around. You should subscribe. And rate and review. Like Jim. Be like Jim. Be like Jim. Hopefully Jim. <laughs> Hopefully Jim's listening. Has enjoyed what he's heard so far. <laughs> Follow us on all of our socials. You can send us feedback or suggestions. You can find all those links at our website, which is this podcast doesn't exist.com. Dot com. Yep. It's a good time. It's cute. It's easy to use. It's fun. So check it out. I worked really hard on it. Yeah, and for I me. supported her. <laughs> for me. <laughs> for me. Please. Put that on the merch. Mm. Oh, there's also a bingo card there that you can go and yeah. play along if you are sitting and listening and don't want to do anything else. You just want to listen to us. Yeah. It's yeah. a good time. Yeah. All right, Emma. Yeah. So last week, mm-hmm. as people are listening to this was Thanksgiving. Yes, it was. Hopefully it was a lovely time. Yes. We're recording these in advance. Surprise. Time is fake anyway, so. Yeah. Flat circle. That's a future episode. (laughs) It's fine. But this topic kind of relates to Thanksgiving, but is also really important in a broader sense. Oh. So we're just going to get into it. I have a feeling this is a conspiracy. No. No? It's not. I wish it was, because conspiracies tend to be more fun. Oh, this is sad and real? Yeah. Why? Because it's important to talk about. Okay, so I need to prepare myself for the sadness. Yeah, I've got some content warnings. Yeah, I have a feeling I know what this is. Yeah, um, so content warning for violence, murder, sexual assault, and like racism. None of these are super explicit, but just themes. Uh, so if you're not in a place to deal with that, that's okay. Click off. Go look at a cute picture of a puppy or something. Or El Chupacabra. You can listen to last week's episode again. <laughs> go back, listen to Greg. Greg is yes, a, a delight. That is a great palate cleanser. <laughs> there you go. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to a presenter. She's a lawyer. Uh, Mary Pavel. I recently attended a talk she gave at the Arlington Public Library that was on this topic, um, which made me want to talk about it. You know, we we have a platform, however small it may be. So just to like bring awareness and attention to this, because honestly, news media doesn't give it enough attention. All right, so here we go. Uh, Even according to very outdated statistics, it's estimated that 84% of Native women have experienced violence in their lifetimes. One in three Indian women are raped during their lifetime, two and a half times the likelihood for the average American woman. And in 86% of those cases, the assailant is non-Indian, which will be important for reasons we'll talk about later. At any given time, there are approximately 4,200 unsolved missing and murdered cases of Native people, with women and young girls being disproportionately affected. So today, Emma, I'm here to tell you about the brief, tragic, and still unsolved case of Rosenda Strong. Rosenda Sophia Strong, 31, 
was a citizen of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation, but she was also a descendant from the Yakima Nation in Washington. According to her loved ones, Rosendo was known for her distinctive laugh and bubbly personality. She was a mother of four. Her warm presence was definitely missed when she did not return to her sister's home where she'd been staying, as expected, on September 30th, 2018. Rosenda was last seen with an acquaintance at the Legends Casino on the Yakima Indian Reservation in Topanish, Washington. There, she was seen by her aunt playing the slot machines. So the two spoke briefly. She said, like, hi, auntie, gave her a hug, said, I love you. And that was kind of the last time her family saw her. Uh, She was later seen exiting the casino around midnight with a man, seemingly voluntarily, but never returned home. And this man was never identified. Oh, that makes me so mad. Yeah. Her sister, Sissy Strong Reyes, who at times cared for Rosenda's children, reached out to Rosenda's friends before turning to the tribal police for help. The police response, however, was lackluster. Largely in part to Rosenda's use of drugs earlier in her life. Oh, that, I don't understand the thought process that I'm sure, because there, there's a part of it where I, I get that there's a lot of money that goes into, you have to pay people to what, whatever, but your whole point of existence is to help you're serving the community. If you are not taking care of the people within that community, you are no longer serving them. You're serving yourself and whatever position of power that you think that you have. So the fact that somebody's past of drug use, of sex work, of anything within that capacity that might be taboo shouldn't be a reason not to look for them if they go missing, not to help them if you see them in distress. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Sorry. That was an Emma tirade for a second. Yeah. That makes me really angry. Yeah. Well, I feel like the tribal police would make the argument that they, in most cases, on most reservations, based on what I heard at the talk that I went to, are severely understaffed and are potentially covering, like, down in the Southwest... I don't recall the tribe name, so I'm not going to guess. But basically, the reservation is thousands of acres. Yeah. And at any given time, there's maybe, like, eight officers on duty. Yeah. And they have to get there. You know, we we come from such a privileged place that if we called the police, they'd probably be here within, like, five minutes. Yeah. But Whereas they're they so far hours, away. Yeah. Even if they have the time. That's, so I, I feel I, like I get their, that too. their argument would be like, well, because according to the sister, the officer was like, quote, Rosenda Strong, oh, she's probably party, partying. She'll pop up sometime. So like, if it's a recurring thing of behavior and you only have limited resources, I not making that. an excuse for them, but I could understand yeah. that reasoning if you are understaffed and under-resourced. Which um, is also something that needs to be rectified, but that's a systemic issue. Yeah. Uh, Strong's family officially filed a missing persons report on October 2nd, 2018. Plenty of theories circulated about where she might be. 
One person said, quote, your sister took off with some Mexican cartel guy, says Sissy. Another person suggested that she might have gone to drug treatment. Okay. Another, more disturbing rumor began to surface. Quote, people were saying, look for a freezer, Sissy says. Ew. No. Me and Rosenda's oldest daughter would cruise around the back roads and canals and look for a freezer. Then, on July 4th, 2019, over nine months since Rosenda's disappearance, Sissy's worst fears came true. Two homeless men found Rosenda's remains inside an abandoned freezer (gasps) at a dump site in an area off Highway 97 on the Yakima Reservation. Who told you to look for a freezer? Because they're who I want to talk to. Right? The FBI joined the tribal police to investigate and found bullet casings beside Rosenda's body. On July 12th, dental records confirmed the suspected victim as Rosenda Strong. But they wouldn't release how she died, nor the estimated time of death. Had she already been there for a long time, or did someone dump her shortly before she was found? We don't know. The FBI and the Yakima Nation Police Department are investigating because Strong's remains were found within the Yakima Nation. Yeah. This touches on a recurring challenge faced by advocates for murdered and missing and murdered indigenous women, MMIW. When crimes take place on native land and or involve a native person, the jurisdictional maze of who is responsible for mm-hmm. investigating can be confusing and overwhelming. Depending on the identity of the perpetrator, the identity of the victim, the location of the event, and the severity of the alleged crime, different tribal, state, and or federal forces are responsible. So, a lot of victims don't even report. Yeah, because who's gonna, one, listen, two, be able to take care of it. Yeah. And from what I heard at the talk, it's like, things fairly recently, I believe, have changed. So, it's less federal and it's on the state, but, like, the state isn't going to do anything. Yeah. Um, And then, I have a quote from The Atlantic that relates to this, but I highly recommend, I'm linking it in the show notes, to go read it because it it really talks about the more systemic issue of non-native people going to reservations because they know they will not be prosecuted for crimes. Oh my god. Because yeah. I wish they found I, a loophole. Well, I wish I had uh, taken a picture of the chart that um Mary had at her presentation because it basically it shows it's like okay, if it, if the alleged pr- uh, perpetrator and the alleged victim are both native it's tribal police. But if the, you know, if the victim is non-native and the, perp- like, it yeah. it depends. And then it, and the, it also makes a distinction between, like, serious crimes, like murder and rape, versus, like, petty crimes. Like theft or yeah, burglary. Like, non-violent offenses. Yeah. But anyway, so check out that article from The Atlantic, and then I'm going to read you a chunk of it. It's, okay. a, it's a longer quote, so. That's okay. Quote. In 1978, the Supreme Court case, Oliphant versus Squamish, stripped tribes of the right to arrest and prosecute non-Indians who commit crimes on Indian land. If both victim and perpetrator are non-Indian, a county or state officer must make the arrest. If the perpetrator is non-Indian and the victim an enrolled member, only a federally certified agent has that right. 
If the opposite is true, a tribal officer can make the arrest, but the case still goes to federal court. Even if both cases are tribal members, a U.S. attorney often assumes the case since tribal courts lack the authority to sentence defendants to more than three years in prison. The harshest enforcement tool a tribal officer can legally wield over a non-Indian is a traffic ticket. That's where get, even if you have tribal police that are involved, if they don't have partners on the state and or federal level, cases don't get closed. Uh, that feels like easily rectifiable in some capacity of like partnering those departments as much as possible so that they have a good communication pathway to go to when they need to do that. But I have a feeling that it has more to do with like, well, it's the reservation. It doesn't matter to us here on the outside, though they would never say that. Right. Unless it's one of our people. Well, I mean, we we saw during COVID systemic oh breakdowns of, you know, it was kind of like, oh, yeah. well, that's their community. That's their thing to deal with. And it's like, well, and then they, the Native communities saw disproportionately high numbers of death and hospitalization yeah. from COVID. Well, and it's it's similar to the historically black communities here in D.C. Mm-hmm. that have been ravaged by COVID from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. One, because of their distrust of information being given to them mm-hmm. because they've been lied to before. Yeah. Um, and then also because they're in densely packed communities because they've been like, gentrified it, it, out exactly of their... like they're they're essentially stuck there, yeah. And it's very difficult for them to get the help that they need mm-hmm. because then it's like, oh well, you kind of you're stuck. So, you know, we have it for you, but it's over here. You got to come get it, and some people can't do that. Yeah. So systemic problems, and that's why I hope you all voted in your midterm election. Yay for no red wave. Thank the Lord. I know. His, and everybody historically else. Historically incredible. Yeah. Keep on voting. Every election. Because the case was classified as a homicide, Strong's family was not immediately able to lay her to rest. Oh, no. Quote, it looks like the lab can do some examinations to provide more information that will be beneficial to the investigation, Reyes wrote on the Facebook page she created to draw attention to her sister's missing persons case quoting information she was given by the FBI. Quote, her remains are being sent to the laboratory and the examination should hopefully provide information that will be beneficial. That breaks my heart, though. I can understand being in her position of saying, you know, obviously we want to figure out who did this. We want justice. Yeah. But she has four kids and family that... I, I'm sure that that was a really hard thing to hear of yeah. them saying, well, we have to keep investigating and you being unable to. I feel like all I you, you want to do is put her to rest. It's a rock in a hard place, right? Like, would you rather do it and then like have to exhume the remains yeah, later? Yeah, and that's, har- that's heartbreaking like, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand Now I feel like it. I need to so go back sad. into my will and be like. I know I said I wanted to be turned into a tree or, like, cremated or whatever. But if I die under mysterious circumstances, 
get all your evidence before you put me in the ground. Like, you know what I mean? Because I feel like we see cases like that, or like you do on TV, right? Where it's like suspicious and they're like, oh, okay, well, we're dead. And then the, the you know, the husband or the yeah. step, whoever, cremates the body really, really quick. Yeah. And you're like, mm. okay. well, how about this? If, God forbid, knock on every piece of wood in my house, you are deceased under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. You will not be cremated. Yeah. Investigation will be done. Yeah. We will look for justice. We will seek it out. We will find it. You'll do it on the podcast. Absolutely. And if we can't, and they have to bury remains, yeah. we will keep you. We will not cremate. So that then if like, we need where to... Where are you going to keep me? In a fridge? <laughs> in the basement? You like... will be the skeleton in my closet. <laughs> It's like, oh, go kids. It's Halloween. Time to go down and visit Auntie Shan. <laughs> Auntie Shannon and then mom as a boss. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, so that then if if other yeah, things need to be done or we progress like, to a point where we can do, like, more than DNA stuff, yeah, we can do other things, then all the pe- all the bits are, th- are still there. <laughs> so, all the bits are mobs. All the bits. Uh, authorities finally released Rosetta's body to her family after a great length of time. And she was buried next to her mother at the Umatilla Reservation in Oregon on September 25th, 2021. Aww. So, yeah, it was like two years that they were that's not a, able to bury her. That's a long, long time. Yeah. Now, four years later, no arrests have been made, making Rosenda's killing one of the 4,200 unsolved cases of a murdered or missing indigenous person. Oh, I just got chills. Quote, I feel in my heart if the Yakima Nation tribal police had gone to those places my sister could be, they could have found her or heard her screaming, her sister told the Yakima Herald. Quote, she didn't deserve that and nobody else does. And then we have a statement from the FBI. Okay. Quote, the FBI has not forgotten about Miss Strong, but unfortunately we have no current update to provide. We do believe there are people that know about what happened to her and would encourage anyone with information to contact the FBI, unquote. So her family has continued advocating, speaking out, not only about her case, but about the epidemic. About, Obviously, yeah. Of just un, un, under-resourced, unfocused cases. There are so many. And at a rally... I believe this may have been before her remains were located. Strong sister, Sissy Strong Reyes, said, quote, You know who you are. You're still walking the streets, and my sister goes missing, and the last ones she, were, she was around were her friends. You were the last to see her alive. You were the last to hear her cries. You were the last to see her pain. Unquote. And... So that's kind of the more specific case. And because it t- wasn't a ton of information, I just want to take this opportunity to educate a little bit, to share about what I learned. So why? Why are these statistics so terrible? Other than, you know, historically, white people suck. And we like to systemically be racist. Um, not we, but the general <laughs> I we. was going to say, you going to walk that back a little? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, we, but like, that's, yeah. that's the thing, right? Like, it's while in, we as individuals a, yeah. who are white do our best to be 
inclusive, and anti-racist, we also benefit from these systems that are in place. Because they've been historically in place for our benefit. Yes. So, as we previously talked about a little bit, just the nature, the confusing nature of the jurisdictional situation is definitely a huge factor. In addition to that mess, a lack of standardization leaves huge gaps in the information. Uh, For example, there is no standard protocol for when law enforcement officers can or have to file a missing persons report. What? So depending on where you go, some people will be like, oh, they have to be missing for 48 hours, 72 hours, and it could depend. It's kind of like at the discretion. So wait, is it... Uh, you might not know the answer to this. Is it state or is it county? Is it? I just I don't know. But there life? is no like golden rule. Okay. Of like everywhere. It's never across... consistent. Well, yeah. no, and I feel like it, to anyone who listens to or consumes like true crime content, you hear it again and again that like young teenagers will go missing, and the police will be like, "Oh, well, they're probably a runaway. They'll probably yeah. turn up." And, like, but then they also, you know, the thing that gets repeated is, like, this 72 hours, right? Yeah, we can't really call them missing until they're gone for 72 hours. No, 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 no. Like, that your best bet of finding someone alive is within within 72 hours after they go missing. The math isn't mathing, bestie. Like, how do you know this one thing and then you act in this way that does not align with that? There's an actual statistic that tells us when we should be looking for them. Right. But there's this judgment, right? Like you were talking about of lifestyle, especially if someone is a drug user or a sex worker, like as if they are not as worthy of... As if they're not as human. Yeah. So we're still cursing, right? Oh yeah, we can fucking curse. Right. That's fucked up. Not cool. Sorry if no one was expecting that, but at least Shannon asked before she said it. Meh. Meh. I mean, hopefully, maybe this isn't what you want to listen to with your kids anyway, but yeah. also educating about systemic racism. Go listen to D.B. Cooper if you want you your kids to go, listen to something. Your kids might not be able to learn about systemic racism in school, so they can learn about it from oh us. God. Also, we say gay. Not related to this show, but also another identity that people at some systemic level are like less worthy of help if they're outside the norm. Can I ask what we say gay means? Florida, dude. The whole week. Oh, God, yeah. Do you like how I pushed that so far out of my brain because I hated it? No, I just, I'm like, reminder. Oh, my God. I think it's abundantly clear that we're a queer-friendly show. Yeah, um, let's, it's Transgender Remembrance Day, so. Yes, as we're recording. As we're recording. So that's messed up. And then similarly, there is no national mandate for law enforcement units to upload information into the database it should be and first of all there are multiple databases that's an issue but still so it's like you know there's missing children there's missing indigenous people there's i'm like on one hand like cool more databases but it those become databases are only as effective as the information you put as yeah right so if you're not putting it in it's a problem and then especially The next point is that sex trafficking is a huge factor, especially when it comes to young women and children in the indigenous community. And traffickers like to take people across state lines, take them outside of the realm of their community where it's going to make the news. But because missing indigenous people don't get on the news, like, it's very sad what happened to Gabby Petito. 
It is. But while they were looking for her, they found, like, seven other bodies. You know? It's insane. Yeah. It's just, it's, so, but, so all that to say, if there was a national mandate to upload information about missing persons, perhaps there would be higher success rates in finding these people while they are still alive and well. It doesn't make sense to me that there isn't, except for the fact that there are so many databases. So saying you must submit to one of these might be hard to say because it might be that a missing child is put on a database that isn't specifically for missing children and someone's using it. Like it... There needs to be at least one standardized system. You would hope, like, yeah. You know, there's, like, you have your highways that are just your state roads, but then you have your... Interstates, interstates. that go between states. So I feel like we need that, like, information interstate that goes everywhere. Yeah. And then you can have your more niche... If, you're, if your department, you know, your if you law need enforcement that, unit yeah. has the, the ability... Because I get it, like... Money. It takes time. It takes money. It takes people power. But it's just... It, it, it was giving me, while the presenter was explaining this, it was giving me big Golden State Killer vibes. Yeah. Of, like, that case potentially could have been solved a lot sooner if the different departments weren't feeling territorial and shared information. I don't think it's a territorial thing in this case, but, like, you know, the sharing of information makes it easier, right? Because these criminals whether it's, you know, a murderer or a sex trafficker, they, they're they human. They're going to slip up. They're going to make a mistake. But if you aren't looking for it... Then you're not going to... You're not going to know it. who to tell. Yeah. I... Yeah. Yeah. I agree. On a slightly brighter note, you know, there has been more advocacy and attention in recent years. There could obviously be more. But among re- more recent efforts is an alert system for missing indigenous persons, which the Washington State Patrol launched in late June of 2022. The agency's Missing and Unidentified Persons Unit added the designation to existing alerts, such as Amber Alerts highlighting missing children, Mm -hmm. Silver Alerts highlighting missing seniors, and Endangered Alerts for missing adults. So just adding it. As another little identifier. What is it? I'm sorry. What was the alert? It's like an Amber Alert. Doesn't like, have a name? No. Okay. Just missing. Or it's the missing indigenous persons. It's just, it just says okay. an alert system for missing indigenous persons. Okay. I just didn't know if there was like a, because I know Amber Alert is named after somebody, but Silver right. Alert is obviously them attempting to make it like, oh, it's a color. Yeah. And it makes sense because they're older. Yeah. So I didn't know if, yeah, I, I mean. Not touching the color situation, yeah, but more like, so I think the, they were like, nah, we can't do the color, but more that. more so of like if there was like an acronym or something yeah. that it would be known by. I but. not in the article that I looked at. I didn't look super in depth though, so okay. potentially. Uh, since the system launched, at least two alerts concerning a missing Indigenous person have resulted in the person being found safely. Oh my God! Yay! So that makes good. me really happy. Good job, Washington. Good job. So Reyes and her community continue to wear red every Thursday to draw attention to the fate of Rosenda and many Native women, men, and children like her. That's beautiful. If you are interested in supporting others who are working to bring attention to this very important crisis, please consider donating to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center, which is linked in the show notes. I know 
it's the holiday season. You're getting a lot of asks from different places, but just another option for you to consider. And though we do have a small audience, I do want to put the information out there. Uh, if you have information about Rosenda Strong, please contact the Yakima Nation Tribal Police at 509-865-2933 or the FBI at tips.fbi.gov. Amazing. Very well done. Yes. What was the talk that you went to? Um, it was at the public library, and it was just talking about MMIW, just missing in and murdered Indigenous women. She Let me look her up real quick, because she's actually very impressive in her own right. So her name is Mary Paval, and let me read her bio. Is it from her website? It's from her law firm's website. Okay. So Mary J. Paval... Skokomish Tribe of Washington uh, rejoined the firm in 2015 after serving as staff director and chief counsel for the United States Senate Committee on Indian Affairs. Amazing. As staff director and chief counsel, Ms. Paval directed the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs agenda through the Senate. In this capacity, she played a vital role in the enactment of the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act as well as critical legislation that restored tribal land rights, affirmed tribal water rights, and protected tribal health and veterans programs. So she is with a law firm in D.C. that is specifically for Native peoples, people, and issues. Amazing. I'll put her bio in the show notes, too, if anyone is interested in learning more. But yeah, she, she came and gave a talk. This is a plug for your local library. Check it out. It was free to attend. That's um, awesome. So you can learn everything at the library. You can do so many fun things at the library. Fun when you have a library card. <laughs> Thanks, Arthur. Even though fun, you know, is not always fun. It's sometimes learning about things that don't necessarily affect you personally, but are still important. To you should still care about. about. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, we don't have any mailbags, but. We might have a question, so oh, wait a second. okay. Well, what if we say what we're grateful for? Obviously, we're doing this before Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving. We're recording them. <laughs> recording, sorry. Recording before Thanksgiving. Every Thanksgiving in our house, what we do is we have little popcorn kernels, and everyone gets three, and we go around the table, and we say three things from the past year that we're grateful for, um, and then they all go into a huge jar it's gonna get bigger a huge jar of uh popcorn kernels for maybe all of that maybe you shouldn't be a vase you could be I a jar. The, i'm the jar for the popcorn kernels all right yeah. i'm good with that but the pop the other popcorn kernels in there are representative of everything that we didn't get a chance to say mm-hmm. or the things that you know we're grateful for that go unsaid mm-hmm. so that's our gratefulness tradition for for thanksgiving but i don't know I'll say one thing I'm grateful yeah. for. I mean, obviously you, but <laughs> duh, duh. That's one of the unsaid ones that I don't even need to. Yeah, no one needs to. No one even Everyone needs to ask me that. They aware. know it's true. Um, Literally, I went on a first date this morning, and I must have name dropped you and Burke like so many times. I was like, well, I I should like. Part of me is like, oh, should I be like worried that they're gonna think that's weird? And I'm like, well, if they can't roll with that, 
they they should just get used to it. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's too late now. We're too deeply ingrained too, in your life. I'm like, hi, I'm the permanent third wheel. Yeah, and we love you, and we can't wait for a fourth. But you know, it's whenever you feel like it. We're doing great as a tricycle. And we can always go back the to way, being a tricycle. The way my brain did not even think you meant, like, a partner for me. I was <laughs> like, oh, like, a bebe? <laughs> I was so excited for that, too. Yeah, that's definitely how I would tell you <laughs> should should it arise. On the podcast. Turns oh out gosh. you're no longer the fourth wheel. <laughs> you're like, I got wheel. rid of the tricycle that was in the garage. I'll be like, what? And you'll be like, instead, it's a four-wheeled bike. Like, it's a car. trike. <laughs> You're not a trike. What are they called? We don't even know. It's one of those Barbie cars. It's a four-wheeler. Um, there we go. No. You know, very well explained, uh. says what it is on the tin. Four-wheeler. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, what are you grateful for besides me? Besides you and obviously Burke. I'm grateful for this house. I have the opportunity to host. This is the, like the first full year that we've spent in this house. Mm-hmm. It's, one, nice having my own space where walls are not shared by other people who are very loud and whose TVs are broken. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. It also meant we could get a cat. Mm -hmm. So now we have Miss Squiddy. And it means that we can host the podcast here, which is nice. I mean, obviously, it's a drive for you, but in your new space, there's really nowhere to do it. So I like being able to have the pod nook for us. Um, I love having a second fridge. I love y'all. Y'all obviously can't see Emma, but she's wearing like a big, oversized denim. Like, what is it called? Chambray. Chambray. It's my like, Elvis shirt. shirt. But like, it's giving big '90s mom vibes. And the fact you're like, oh, I love my second. I fridge. love having a second fridge. I like my, make my it's hamburger my helper. My shake and bake. My stove top. <laughs> I love stove top. Do you want to buy some Mary Kay? <laughs> uh, uh, well, similarly, I I am grateful for my apartment. Yeah. That I, after five years of ups and downs, good times and not great times, I moved out of the house that I was living in since graduation, and I'm living by myself for the first time, which is, as the kids used to say, Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> like all of the dishes in the sink are yours. They are, which I'm trying to be better about, and. You know, there are things that, in a perfect world, would I change? Sure. I would have a dishwasher. There wouldn't be elephants living upstairs. They don't live upstairs, but currently I think my upstairs neighbors have kids visiting them for the holiday. So it's a lot of running. I'm like, get that child a leash and take them outside. <laughs> like, but yeah, I'm just, it's so nice to like, I feel like a, a, an adult. In a even, way that even though I, you were like I, I've yeah. been, but like it's definitely different, you know. Yeah, it feels like your own. Yeah, it helps, not like put things in perspective, but it helps when you know I'm having a hard time at my job, and like things are not ideal there in a way that I would love. I can stop and kind of look around and be like, "Am I frustrated in this moment, in this day, this week, this month?" Absolutely, but this job has allowed me to live by myself which has it's been given a goal me freedom. for like the last four years yeah. you know and it's something obviously that like because it is yours it's a safer place not that your other place wasn't oh, yeah. safe but like mentally you'd walk in and you'd be like 
There's so many dishes in that sink, and yeah. they are not mine. There's someone doing laundry, and I was hoping to do laundry. Like, there's there's so many other things yeah. that are wrapped into living in a house with other people that you aren't, like, in a relationship with mm-hmm. that can be really difficult to communicate well yeah, and in a way that makes sense to both sides. Because mm-hmm. if you're just friends, or even if you're just roommates, like, some people live with people that they're like, you're my roommate. We're not, I mean, that's that's, fr- we're not yeah. friends. Like, that's I just had who many we are. Sets of, I was thinking about that today. I was like, I have had many people that I'm like, I don't even remember her last name. Like, I'd have to go look it up in my emails and be like, well. Which is oh, just, right. I mean, it's, it, just, part it's of, just a place to, to sleep, essentially, yeah. for some people. Whereas other people tend to use their house as the place to actually live. I'm I'm very happy that you Yay, have your own house space. Vibes. House vibes. Love being able to host people. Love being able to celebrate. Yeah. You have things. to come over and help me hang stuff up. And I do. I can host people. Yeah, and then we can have a little a little soiree for you at some point. Well, I don't know about that. There isn't a lot of. I'm like my house. I said little. <laughs> like my apartment is a good like board game party. Oh, that anything fun. where people are sitting down the whole time. I still want to play True American in this basement. Mm, maybe we do that for Christmas. Christmas. We better True make American. room in the in the guest room. There's gonna be <laughs> a lot. Bed. Yeah. Hopefully by that point, you know, Greg couch would, would crush. True oh my American, god! Even though he's he, very tall, I don't know. He would, he would have to hunt over. While we he's find like a way. On the I think <laughs> the only detriment will be me. Because I'm so competitive that I'm gonna get angry about people not following the directions correctly, well, and first then if we they have to don't comprehend the directions, that's fair. The directions are difficult, and then it will get to a point where either I have two directions I could go. One, I get to a point where the directions don't make sense anymore. It doesn't matter. I'm just gonna be chaotic for the fun of it. Yeah. Or two, I'm no longer winning, and so I'm angry. <laughs> I've experienced both of those, Emma. <laughs> It'll be a fun time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, <laughs> friends, thank you for We're sticking around. We're thankful for you. We are thankful Whether you've for been you. here since the beginning or if you're a new friend. Yes. We love you all. We're thankful for all of you. We are thankful for everything that you do and send us and just for listening. We really, obviously, we've said this multiple times. We do this for each other and to spend time with each other, but we really enjoy being able to share it it's with you, too. It's fun when the void shouts back. We're not just shouting into the void. Yeah. So shout back. We love you. Shout back. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. But missing and murdered indigenous women and persons do. So go look at those sources. Thanks. Love y'all. Bye.